Today we have Doug Hegeman, number 96, also known as Old as Dirt, joining us. So let's see, you've ridden in three scooter cannonballs, but even yeah. before that, I kind of remember you were well known through the event, um, through all of your shit stirring on the, the online <laughs> forum and message board. That's true. <laughs> so in 14, that was your first scooter cannonball. It was Alaska to New Orleans. You rode a 2008 uh, Sport City. You finished in third place. From what I remember that year, you had a, a very well-executed ride. I mean, your daily points were, were very consistent and always very competitive. Yeah. And we, we sat you. out 2016 together, but both returned in 2018. You finished fourth place again. And yeah. uh, another well-executed ride, zero miles on the support truck. But you also I don't know about executed well. I had some navigation errors. You, you I, I didn't did. break down. I did not break down. You, you, I remember you passed... Uh, Matt and I twice on on the same same day, so that yeah, was, that was that was a fun day that year. Um, you also ran and kind of organized and operated a support truck, which is a uh, a pretty significant undertaking altogether. But uh, and and we did that in fourteen as well. You did. I didn't realize that in fourteen. So you you, yeah. had, you had two two years of organizing and running a support truck, which is is just a it's a, a it's, yeah. It's a nightmare in itself. It, it absolutely is. We we should do a, like an episode, you know. So you want to uh, run a support truck <laughs> on that? <laughs> so many people raise their hand for that, and they have no idea what the hell they're getting into. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. The twenty twenty one, you you came back again, a fourth place finish. This time, riding a two thousand seven Vespa GT. S the, the two fifty. You were in fourth place, but your raw time was actually third overall. You finished an hour and 15 minutes behind the winner, uh, Julie Taggart, 10 days of, of great riding. Oh, 10 days of brutal riding. I mean, that, 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 this 10 days this past year was, was extremely uh, hard riding for not just myself, but everybody, maintenance-wise and all kinds of things, uh, logistics. And uh, it, was, it was a tough cannibal, for sure. So uh, before we, we go any further, two questions. Off the bike, you know, who are you? What's your uh, what's your story? My real name is Doug Hageman, also known as Old as Dirt. I'm uh, 62 years old. Uh, I'm retired Air Force. Uh, I grew up in a little town in northern Illinois. My dad had a motorcycle shop when I was a kid uh, before I joined the military. So I, I, I got started off in mini bike racing and in the dirt, mo mini bike motocross and that kind of stuff and graduated to uh, some cross-country enduro style, style riding, um, hair scrambles and that kind of stuff, mostly dirt riding. Uh, really didn't get into street bikes and that kind of stuff So I was actually in the military. I mainly took dirt bikes and did wheelies in front of the schoolhouse when I was in high school and that kind of stuff and get tickets for that kind of stuff. Normal kid stuff. So I've always, my whole family's been in motorcycles for eons. Um, so you've always, you've always read your disc from, from, yeah cradle till today yeah almost from cradle yeah yeah, yeah. my my i was i was a genetic genetics because my dad used to race go-karts and stuff so i mean we were always around that kind of stuff it was always racing something well you you kind of answered the second question too you know what what's your your background on on two wheels and it, it sounds like you know you've always been around the around a track a dirt track and then as an adult, did you just continue to ride? And, and when did you, you know, kind of move into scooters or small bikes always been something you've, you've been a part of? Well, uh, it's funny about scooters because um, when I was in one of my military bases, I, my, they came out with this MP3 late, late in my life. And uh, that 
is an engineering marvel to me because it had two wheels on the front. So I was I was actually in Nebraska, I'm sorry, building power plant. And uh it was like that thing looks so cool. I I got I gotta have one. My dad would be I mean, by that time he had passed away, but just the marvel of the machine itself. So that was my first scooter was buying an MP3. Wow. And uh I they're just fun scooters are so fun to ride you don't have to really concentrate real hard on shifting and gears and gear selections and rpms and all that stuff it's just gas and brakes and you know concentrate on your riding style itself and it was fun um and then it just it evolved and i got evolved in modernvespa.com and i found that form and that's been a wealth of information as well and uh that's how I found out about the scooter cannonball as well. Huh. So you have three cannonballs, zero miles on the truck, all top five finishes, uh, in both handicap and raw time. You know, what's the what's the secret here? Uh, the secret is prep. It really is. I mean, uh, knowing your scooter, getting the prep, getting mental state, um, that's that's the start of knowing your scooter and, and everything about the cannonball, you know. Uh, I would like to talk about prepping and doing your own maintenance and learning your oil changes and your belt changes and, your, you know, all those things, the brake pads. you gotta, you got to know your scooter inside out. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to take a scooter to the start line, I'm going to start, and you don't have any skills of knowing your, your particular scooter. I mean, you might have skills on a, GSXR 750, but that doesn't pertain to a an Aprilia or a Vespa GTS or or Yamaha yeah. S Max. I mean, you've got to really know your scooter. You've got to know what it can do and what it can't do, and how to how to fix it if you need to fix it on the middle of the road. And so, it's um, for you, really a priority on like mechanical prep, but uh, oh, absolutely. Prep, you you kind of have your personal routine and you kind of know what works for you riding you know right yeah. here at this point oh yeah yeah i mean it, i think everybody has to have comfortable riding gear um and <laughs> is what whether it's your helmet if you don't have a comfortable helmet you're going to be miserable all day long if you don't yeah. have uh dry gloves you're going to be miserable all day long i mean because you you're gonna we are going to get rain i don't care where you're at you're going to get rain you got to deal with rain so it's yeah Having the right gear, dry feet, dry clothing, you know, you got to minimize that kind of stuff. Um, so knowing the- knowing your machine inside and out is just one aspect of the whole Cannonball experience. So let's get into the machine. What what do you prioritize there? I mean, <sighs> you're starting with a with a we're. <laughs> Kind of a stock point with the bike. Where yeah. Do you, where do you recommend or, you know, where do you start from typically? You well, three, I think on three different bikes, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, no, no. Two, two, two on a Sports City 250. Same 2008. bike. Yeah. yeah okay. Same bike. Um, I I take it and make sure all my electrical almost kind of strip it down, but not quite. But it, you, you got to go through and make sure that your air filters are right. Uh, and clean your variator. You got a fresh radiator, fresh belts, fresh tires, fresh uh, brake pads. 
there's nothing more worse than, than riding a day than say, oh, I'm not going to spend four hours in a parking lot repairing things that you could have done weeks, months ahead of time. And no, you know, um, minimizing heavy modifications, you know, keep your modifications really simple and minimized like the GPS wiring, uh, maybe additional driving lights. Do you need that super duper head and cylinder to gain 0.1 horsepower? I, you know, I, there's pluses and minuses to that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, you can modify your engines and put all the latest and greatest aftermarket horsepower electronics on it. But if it fails while you're in the middle of a ride, you just lost all that you tried to gain from. You actually lost more. Yeah. Um, that's a great way to look at it, uh, just in terms of scoring and inconvenience. Yeah, but ignoring the inconvenience. So right. On, the, on this, on the pre-ride prep, like, do you have? Are you some discipline here where you're trying to get all of it kind of done, the bike ready to go at some, you know, so many weeks or days or you know months prior to oh, the start of the event? And oh, then is there some shakedown built into that? Or oh, ab- absolutely, you- all of that. Um, so you. I started about six months prior to the event, making sure I got all my pieces and parts, my filters and all that stuff, get it all installed, um, looking the bike over, testing it, testing it and testing it. Um, if it's not, if it's not comfortable and you know, if, if you don't put a couple hundred miles on testing it, you don't know if oh, I just installed a new variator. I'm going to go to the start line and never tested it. And it's like, oh, the thing's not working because I put the uh, the plates in backwards or the belts in backwards or whatever whatever the case may be. Um, so it, you really got to test, test, test. Um, a lot of people go a year in advance. They get all their stuff done. And then right prior to the event, they put just extremely fresh belts in after they've tested all those stuff, they use the same exact stuff, put your fresh consumable spares in there, and they've tested all their GPSs and their wiring devices. They've rode in the rain, rode maybe some dirt sections. Um, there was a guy in North Carolina, I, I know he personally went out and rode uh, in the woods and tr- beat up his machine so he could see what broke on it yeah. because he knew he was going to have to do that in the cannonball. Yeah, not necessarily right one. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got to you got to know about the event. You got to know about your scooter. You got to know about yourself. Um, some guys have their own routine about them, like in the mornings and that kind of stuff. You know, everybody has a different flavor and how they want to handle the day. So, yeah. So anyway. it, it kind of feels like maybe if you're if you're introducing some new electronics or maybe some riding gear, uh, maybe do some shakedown riding of. You know of those oh. those items before you oh, start to enter into a period where you're you know doing your kind of final mechanical uh, prep replacement of you know consumables. So you've you've kind of got all of that out of the way. You, you know the GPS is kind of where you want it. Um, right. Maybe you're going to wire it in through the you know through the top case and stuff. But you start with it just you know kind of duct tape to the you know to the head case or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know and, and yeah. finalize yeah. those details. But right. Factor of three three to five hundred miles into. Oh. 
your starting miles for the event where you've had, you know, a few decent shakedown rides and not just, you know, around you the block. A, you're around the block yeah. or you rode to work a few times, like really kind of go yeah. out and structure uh-huh. a, a cannonball day where you're going to go, you know, maybe it, even if it's just a 200 mile, you know, it doesn't need to be three or four, but you're doing, you know, a very intentional ride to, to places preferably yeah. places you've never been to or roads that you don't frequently travel and and conditions i mean don't yeah. don't just say oh it's 70 degrees out it's a sunny day it's a good day for a scooter ride no pick those days that are nasty rainy cold wet and and try to mimic the the flavor of the event that way because that's going to happen to you Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to be stuck in the middle of Wisconsin figuring <laughs> out your rain gear for the first time that you bought that's, you know, coming fresh that's... out of the package. And it, yeah, it just, <laughs> don't fit over your gear. Yeah, yeah. that happens. Every Not cannonball. Me. It's happened to both of us uh, and, and other riders that you, you you see that are just they're opening that that very, you know, riding gear <laughs> for the first time or, you know, their, their GPS doesn't, you know, isn't working in the rain. <laughs> yeah. They just yeah. they prayed it wasn't going. They bought a. Oh, geez, yeah. it doesn't even work in the rain. They just thought, well, right. it's, it, hopefully it doesn't rain if it doesn't want to put a sandwich bag over it. Um, yeah, we yeah. see it every time. Every time. Uh, every time. I yeah. I saw a guy this this past year, garbage bag, because his rain gear didn't work. Okay. Yeah. Hey, hello. Um, anyway, that that that's all the flavor of the cannonball. It's all about prep and knowing your bike, knowing your gear, knowing yourself, testing your limits before even getting started to the start line. And it's, I can't stress that enough. The other thing I, I noticed a lot of this year, um, and I, I'm guilty of it too, people that just sort of shook out a big duffel bag of Harbor Freight tools and like, yeah, I'm, somewhere in here I have what I need to do, you know, a belt replacement that may, may involve, you know, three or four items. Right. Uh, you know, a, a couple, you know, a couple sockets and, and whatnot. So in doing, I mean, do you, I mean, at this point, I think you kind of know your bikes, but do you, as you're doing these repairs at home in the you know the comfort of your garage, are you taking kind of an inventory of you know what you're using you know to do each of these different repairs to kind of trim down you know what you're carrying on the bike? Absolutely. Um, and do you also carry that into kind of how you organize you know the the tools that you're carrying? Okay, this is for oh, tires and yeah, we're absolutely process. There? Okay, so. While while you're doing all your prep work, so you got all your tools laid out, only use what you lay out your tools in your garage, wherever your workspace is, and only use those tools to do your maintenance. Well, the tools that you're going to bring on the, the event, because you're going to need a wrench or a socket, maybe an impact wrench, because if you break a belt on the side of the road, you need to have just those tools alone. There's no reason to have a 200-piece Craftsman socket set, you know, and there's so much stuff that you don't even need. So you're carrying all around those extra tools and that kind of stuff. You don't need all that. You need just the tools you need to perform that task. So at the end of the day, when we're doing the parking lot stuff, do I need a different, an oil filter wrench? Okay, yes. That would go in a separate bin or a separate box that you would already have on your support truck. Those kind of tools, yes, that you should have there at the parking lot, but you don't necessarily need while you're on the road. So you're going to need your screwdriver. You're going to need a set of pliers, maybe some duct tape, some bailing wire, hose clamps, little things like that that you can do an emergency repair to get you continue on down the road during the event 
that at the end of the day in the parking lot, you'll need probably a little bit more tools. And that, that's also part of the cannonball thing as well is that how much spares do I bring? And, you know, what do I bring for spares? What do I bring for tools? There's that's some goodwill sliver. and barter value too. And some of those extras <clears throat> that you, you know, you carry on the support truck, but not on your, you know, not on your bike. Um, right. You know, you're loaning it to somebody who needs a hose clamp. It's, you know, a, a $2 part. But you never know in this event, you loan this guy a $2 part two days ago, and he's the guy that rolls up on you when you're on the side of the road. And right. he's he's now the one that's, you know, down there in the, in the shoulder helping you with your flat tire or whatever. I mean, that's, it, that's it happened right. to me this time. I think I, you know. You uh, stopped Jose, me in the middle of a ride. You too. You loaned me um, uh, your a plug kit. A plug kit because I was running out. I had plugged my tire so many times that day and right. juiced it would fix a flat. and. I, I, I uh, caught I, you on some flat somewhere, and you said, "Do you have God. a plug kit?" And we pull off the side of the road. That that was that was a fun day too. Oh, I'm, that was our five twenty seven day, and that, like I was, I didn't think I was going to make the last thirty miles. I had, I had, I had, ex- I had used yeah, all of my plugs were, at that point. Yeah, and you were pretty stressed out, and uh, I was like, "Okay, let's try it again." And yeah. you babied that thing home, and uh, that was that was uh, another tire change. You 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 were. Are I, I look at you and say, Dave did all the right things. He had two extra spares. He had all this other stuff for spare tires. And you were still at the limit on spare tires. Even though you had already planned for all that, yeah. you'd still used all those assets. Oh. That's an unusual circumstance. That was the, that- five, the five prior cannonballs. I never had a flat tire. And this, this time I, I had four or five times i had it was just it was horrible for you i mean you you were a tire eating guy that this past year and you know me i only switched the front tire only because i had a little i had probably 1500 miles left on it and it was getting down there it was still well within the wear marks but i had a brand new front i changed it out just because i wanted a new front on there did i need to do that no um, so you, my, you also dark sided the rear, and maybe just for those that aren't familiar with that term, explain what that is. A dark side on a rear tire is actually running a car style tire on your rear tire. So a car style tire, you can typically get twenty thousand miles out of it, versus a scooter tire, you're getting three, four thousand miles out of it on a good day for a cannonball if you get 4000 miles out of a rear tire you've done extremely well most people only get about 2500 to 3000 miles and it's just the the heat and the miles and everything just eats tires yeah so and- i i tried something different and went with a car tire style and it takes a little getting used to it's not not a flavor for everybody but what that did for me is I didn't have to do a rear tire change at all during the whole event. So. Yeah, and, and there were a few other riders that, that rode um, similar bikes in the same kind of tire yes. combination that I think I everybody. Think, I think we no had issues. about, yeah. no, I think we had at least six riders that had yeah. uh, dark sided. Um, so that's one you definitely do at your own risk. But um, you do this, this year. I mean, the miles at, you know, 45, you know, real space, 46, 4,700 miles that people rode. Right. You know, it comes to the play that, you know, the 2023 right now is projected right around 3,000 miles. So it's, you know, that it's, rear tire that you might be carrying is really, I think, for spare, you know, looking ahead yes, to the next event, I, at least. I, I do. I, I totally agree with that. I think uh, this the 3,000 mile ride 
you should be able to get away with one tire change, having a spare on the truck, and you yeah. should be good. Um, but then again, you never know. I might be a, a February 31st and have three failures on tires. Yeah. There's no way to predict that. By the whole event, other people had other spares. Can I steal that spare? Yes. And people give up tires and that kind of stuff. And it's all, we'll work it out the details at the end. Yep. So that that's that's a nice unit cohesiveness between everybody as they're riding. Because if, if I have a spare clutch cable and you need it to continue on, I want you to continue on because I want the competition. You know, I, I, yeah, I don't want you to fall out just because you needed a cotter pin or washer or something like that. And I wouldn't give you one. And I had three of them. Yeah. And there was, there was so much of that this year. You know, we had a lot of, I mean, 2021 had more first time riders than we did return. Oh, oh yeah. By, by, by huge numbers. There was a lot of anxiety going into the event. You could tell on the, in the, the riders form for registered riders that, you know, what do I need to know how to do on the, on the roadside versus the parking lot, the amount of, you know, the camaraderie, but support, and lending of you know time and talent that took place in the parking lot you know every single night uh, for, from day one you know with, with uh, tiny hadn't with this brake issue and um, you know seth hershey was uh, he gave up his entire evening to you know to to try to fix a bike that was ultimately kind of totaled the next day with you know as far as the event went right um it, it continued all the way to the very end uh even, I, even in the the day 10 parking lot there were people that were continuing to you know ride you know in some direction home um that oh were, yeah uh, trying after, to, after yeah. the event that's correct yeah it was every night of the event there were people that were just on the ground wrenching on other people's bikes and it's i think it's really you know coming prepared with the appropriate amount of spares and trying to understand what it is you can repair yourself on the side of the road and carrying right. those things and right. you know being reasonably prepared also for the parking lot and i think if you show up with those you know with that and the right attitude you're going to find you know in the right mindset right yes. mindset somebody is is you know some people like to wrench on the on their scooters more than i think they like to ride and certainly you know like to help other people in this event and you, you see it every single year so but we, what we don't like is excessive wrenching on scooters when you're <laughs> having to do a total rebuild and we've seen that in the past. I, I, in 2014, we had a guy do a, a top end rebuild on his Stella, um, and yeah. but he had he had a spare cylinder, and, and he actually planned for that. But he did it, and he continued on. And uh, Frank rode the rest of the event. I mean, he actually finished. So yeah, that was that was pretty wild. But he had he had that plan, and he knew he was going to have to do that. But, yeah, but, I think too, if you're riding on a uh, on a scooter that's not common, you know, to the event, like a like a Vespa GTS, you can you can I mean it's all there before you. You know, you're going into the event six months out. You can see okay, there's there's only two of what I'm riding. We only had one Helix rider this year. You know, right. so that's a if you're riding a an uncommon bike into the into the Cannonball, try you're to lim you're limited. But for that kind of parking lot support from somebody that's maybe not familiar with the bike, having things like the you know the wiring diagrams with you, um, you know the, right. the maintenance manuals, those right. you know. Having those materials, if you're on a bike, that there's not a lot of common knowledge or, or you know other things. So if you're, I, well, if, you're, if I mean, if it's beyond your ability, try to come prepared with some of the things that might help somebody else help you, right? Or reconsider your bike selection and find something that's a little bit more uh, mainstream for the event. If you're not the you know the most proficient when it comes to uh, digging in on the maintenance and you know be like you said before, they're at the right mindset and attitude.
right? It goes a long way when asking somebody to uh, to lend you a hand. Well, the the Honda Cub guys, I mean, they had a good game plan going in as well. They we had what six six Honda Cubs or something like that, four six of them, and they pooled their stuff together. So they had multiple spares or not multiple spares, but they would have like a a clutch cover or whatever that they needed that they could use between themselves if need be. And that's part of knowing your prep, knowing your bike, knowing your other fellow riders. You know, we did the same thing with the Vespa GTS wheels. I mean, we had plenty of those. We had, we cycled those around between the folks. Uh, I think the Yamaha guys on the S maxes did the same thing. Spare wheels, spare tires. Don't know if the Forza guys, they, they tried to do some stuff like that with the Forza guys. But yeah, I, th- similar, I remember similar. the front, I'm not familiar with that bike, but the uh, the front wheel had some, it's not like the Vespa where it's, you can kind of swap front to back, if I remember. Right. Yeah. Right. So they they, they had their own deal going as well, which, which helps, I mean, because they, they swap parts around on those guys as well. That's knowing your bike, knowing you're getting your spares together. I think the biggest problem that I saw on this Cannonball was... The aftermarket exhaust people put on some of the Vespas and stuff. They we had that was quite high failure rate, and that's back to using the stock stuff again. Uh, we tried this fancy dancy exhaust, and it it bit a lot of people in the butt. Yeah, and not necessarily the the tailpipe itself failing, but no the uh, the in, uh, inter- imp- yeah the the, the interconnect the, bike the interconnect and the uh, the, the header. Um, yeah. We saw kind of failures on on both sides of it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's sometimes it's not the aftermarket piece direct. Often it's not the aftermarket piece itself that fails, but it's the uh, it's impact combination combination right. It was a combination fit up between the two. So what else? What are you? What else do you do? What else do I do <laughs> as far as prep? No, not just prep, but just looking at the ride. You start with a you know mostly uh, stock bike. That's yeah. you know in in good condition, no you know known mechanical issues or right. failures. Knowing yeah. the bike, coming with proper know, spares, proper spares, and yeah. and understanding of its systems, you've got all that in place. What what else do you do preparation wise, or what's the what's your secret to uh, to finishing these beyond that? My my weakness is navigation. <laughs> it's always been navigation. So this I, is I'm not. This is how to finish third and fourth place. Yeah, yeah. So if if I took the time to really study the routes, really know my GPS inside and out, if I would have taken lessons from the Taggarts, I could have done better. Um, that, that that is my weakness for sure. So all three cannibals, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've joked about it every cannibal. Oh yeah, and it's not oh, from yeah. some degree of crap and effort. You do look at the route. You do. I do. But yeah. I, I do I I don't delve what, into them what deep enough. Do? Yeah, deep I don't okay. I don't delve into them. I don't I don't I don't go through and look at every little turn by turn by turn on the on the little on the computer and the little uh, scooter guide to see live views or whatever on the map. You planned your gas um, stops this year. I did not. That's I. I, I did a little different this year. I had a I had a stock two gallon tank and I had two two gallon Rotopex tanks. So what I I did it on the fly, a um, little different. A lot of people plan exact. Okay, I'm going to go 105 miles. I got this gas station to stop at. 
I did it on the fly because I knew I was carrying, most times I was carrying uh, four extra gallons of gas when we got to the more western area of the event, knowing I would have 100, 200, 300 miles of fuel. Well, within that 300 miles, I knew I would find a gas station at the right time to fill up. Boom, boom, boom. I could fill up at least my main tank and one other roto packs. So I had spare fuel with me and it worked out perfect. I tried not to use the spare fuel early on in the day. If I saw a gas station, I'd just fill up the scooter. I saved the spare fuel for the last half of the day. That way, when I... You were carrying enough fuel then on board and and an auxiliary fuel in the last half of the day to make it to the hotel with the stop. And you could could fuel... On the last half of the day. In the years past, I plumbed in an extra gas tank in the back. So I had three and a half gallons on top of my stock gas tank. So as I was going down the road, I could just fill up as I was going down the road. But, But that has... Another flavor to it. Back to trying to keep it simple. Trying to keep it simple there again. So if, if if you don't do that properly, you're going to create other problems. Because we saw that in 2014 and in 2018, where people put those extra gas tanks on and they thought they had it all down pat, and they failed on them, or the gas tank comes flying off the scooter or whatever because it wasn't properly mounted and that kind of stuff, or they crashed and. Yep. That created other problems for them. So there's a risk reward with everything you do, especially with the the aux auxiliary plumbed gas. Yeah, um, we 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 had one rider this year. Um, he he crashed at day four or day five, whatever it was. But Carl, he had it plumbed right, and his it made for him. Yeah, he made big time points those first three four days. Yeah, um, because he wasn't stopping. Yeah. Um, so he I, wasn't stopping and he was a very efficient oh, rider. Very, very good rider. Yeah, very, very good, good rider. Ride. He's he's lined up um I think probably episode four, maybe three, depending on um if he cuts in line in front of Lynn. But uh, uh yeah, he great rider and a, a very good passer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd, he could he could draft very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's all part of riding skills. So I'm, I was really bummed to see um to find him and uh Mackinac Bridge all all banged up. Oh banged up. Yeah. I thought he was, uh, he could have gave Julia, if, if if he wouldn't have crashed as hard as he did, he, he would have gave Julia a big run for her money on that one. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think so. Yeah, for sure. All kudos to uh, the Tigers. Scott is a great navigator. Julia's a great rider himself. Um, I yeah. rode behind them very well. Had fun. Yeah, um, and, and had- you you also went down, this was on the, the scooter fair podcast uh where the, scott brought up the uh ohio closed on ramp and i think you did it as well right you also just well yeah yeah well it was a closed on ramp and julie and scott said the same thing and julie said the same thing on her podcast and yeah i saw it i saw a car go up underneath me and it's like well it's closed but the cars went by so it's like i guess i'll just take the chance and i oh. took a chance on uh Going down a closed road to merge over into an open road versus going through the city knowing where I was going to hit 10 or 15 stoplights and then bypass, bypass that. So it saved me probably solid 10 minutes. I, you, I know you went the detour route and it cost you time. I did. I was with Scott and Julie, and I didn't realize. I said on, on the Scott one, I didn't realize that the the highway bypass below was was open. I I just did not see any traffic either direction. Oh, wow. So I assumed the whole thing was closed, and I was I'm organizing this this event. I 
you know, I canned up in the, in the pokey, you know, because I took a detour. So I, I just chin and tuned and kept going. It was. That was yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his navigate navigation, though, it's yeah, the, the thing I think that was kind of lost in the 2021 with so many new people is that the the official route that is, you know, presented to the, you know, to the registered graduates, it's, it's a rough draft. It's, it's a su- it has, yeah. suggested route. Yes, it's correct. Suggested route, yeah. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, just given the way that checkpoints and the bonus points, especially, are, are selected, more or less limits the route options in between. But it's still a suggested one. And the, the trade-off there is all, as we, we always say, there's, there's trade-offs to everything in, in this. But the giving riders a you know a route file from the event that has just the the checkpoints and the bonus points in it versus a route file that is just polluted with tons of you know garmin base camp you know drag or via points whatever you want yeah to, to, to all- kind of put it like you as a rider either have to sit and do that homework yourself and kind of compare google maps and garmin base camp Finding those settings or add a lot of via points or drag points that put you on the route roads that you'd like to be on. And Scott does an incredible job. Incredible job. Combing through that and comparing the data sources that are available out there and really crafting the best route. And he's he's very disciplined at uh, at following it. That day through Ohio, we were playing tag all day long. You and I actually took a kind of around the Michigan border, a different dog leg. And he had another one. We had the more efficient one, the two, you know, you and I, but all not right. really together at that moment. But he, I remember him telling me, he's like, I have to stay with what I programmed. I, you know, when I start second guessing myself from what I plan to what's kind of happening, right. he, you know, he's very disciplined. He stays with his plan. Very, very, very disciplined. Yep. Well, that goes back to our prep. Yep. He, he prepped his scooter cannonball ride and his route months and months in advance. And he went over that and over that and over that. And got all the details down on that so minutely, he knew exactly his route he wanted to take. And that's part of our prep thing, too, is how deep do you want to go to learning those skills? That's just another skill set you got to learn before you go to the cannonball. Or put together a team. You know, uh, it, it, I mean, the event is not a group ride. It's it's very hard to do a group ride over you know eight or ten oh. days for that many miles. You know, everyone has to scoring wise has to ride their own ride. You pick your own That's photos. Correct. You, you got to sit in the seat. It is what it is. But if if you want to, you know, partner with somebody that's you know, but buddy up with somebody, buddy up with somebody in the, in the pre-planning, get, get somebody that's ideally you're all riding, you know, similar bikes kind of have play off each other's strengths. You know, a navigation guy that's, that's very good with programming the GPSs, you know, common parts get every, all three of you on, you know, the same device. It's a great strategy. And we saw, we saw, we saw that with the, the how to cup guys from uh, Texas. They, they, they did very well in their own right. Um, yeah. Scoot mommy and Scoot daddy, yes, their husband wife team as well. But they they had a great strategy as well by riding together as as a partner, as a buddy, or whatever. They were very efficient too with their gas stops. I mean, they were kind of like the Taggarts. They were um, well, that's practice. You know, yeah, practice. You know, I think he wanted to rip his helmet off a few times. You know, at finishing a long day's ride. You know, with his yeah, from his ear. <laughs> right. But you know, they they had it down. Like they were, you know, from the scoring perspective, we had people come up and go. How the hell can these people be putting up these scores like this? It's a goal. Have you ridden with them? You know, like I'm on a faster scooter, but I. Oh my god, we've been I rode pushed together, I, and they were they were good. They were I rode great riders. I rode with them a day through the mountains, uh-huh. and they did not waste time. And I'm a 
fairly aggressive rider myself. And I was pushing my limits through the mountains on the dirt roads. And they were right there with me about 80% of the time. You know, the more technical, heavier dirt roads, they'd slow down. But on a more, little bit more open pavement roads, they were just on my butt. Uh, which is like, holy shit, how are these guys doing this? And uh, take me, took the back seat to me a little bit on my personal side. It's like, damn, I'm I'm riding at my limits here, brother. Yeah. And they're just, well, they're just cruising every day. Every day. Yeah. And, you know, not stopping and taking the time and good strategy, good gas stops. Minimize your gas stops. Practice your gas stop. Do you yeah. use cash? Do you use a card? Do you use a spare fuel tank those are all things that you've got to work out as part of your prep work they finished just around let's see 10th and 10th, 11th 10th. and 12th place but yeah that, a lot of that is handicap it's not yeah that was all uh, handicap that was all handicap to push them up there um they're on a, a matched pair of honda or is it 300 you know, that's 123 percent handicap that kind of hurts when you look at raw time for them they there finished eighth Wow. Yeah, I they, didn't know they, that. Yeah, they gave up four four positions on handicap. That's that's how it is. Just right off right off the top. Right off the top. Yeah. So they I mean they did oh. a very nice job as a as a paired team. Yeah. Um, and that's all it all goes back to prep. And they, they were riding stock scooters, they didn't have them heavily modified, they didn't have any reliability issues. Thank God I didn't have any reliability issues either. I, I was on a basic stock scooter, stock exhaust, stock I had a aftermarket uh dark side rear tire that was my biggest mod that was really my only mod i ran stock roller stock belt um, you had two gps's you know, though this year you did the i did the two, i did because i i ran two different gps's because i had two different programs and i i ran the the posted route that was done from the organization standpoint mm-hmm. now i ran scott's trick tracks on the other one so you were you were using trick tracks on on one of your your gps's and, and the value it, to that is is give me a, a, a big magnifying glass of the purple line to follow the purple line yeah. that would get me from the start to the bonus points to the checkpoints guaranteed and, and if your other GPS gave you a like a recalculation, you could see where oh, you were on the recalculated route relative correct. to to the other to the official route. And I used the Cannonball GPS as my voice in my head because I had it tuned to uh, my earbud that I was listening to, so I had an actual turn by turn on that one. On that one, so I used both simultaneously and then i threw another trick into it i had my iphone up as well i had my third thing up there because i used my iphone for taking my pictures at my checkpoints the data collection system for the cannonball so i can turn on my map there blow that up a little bit and say oh look i can take this route on the fly and bypass the city because i don't have a checkpoint in there which i should have done part of my prep work and i could have loaded that in there versus having to do that on the fly so what you're saying here is that the three gps's is why you continue to get lost in three three cannonballs <laughs> well okay <laughs> well no this is the first time i ever used three because okay. previous cannonballs i only used one period that was it that was i, I didn't try to confuse myself uh, so yeah. this year I, I tried to confuse myself even more 
Yeah, I use I use the the same as the Garmin three seventy six. Yes, or whatever. Two seventy Yeah, loved it because it was a big screen. Yeah, and touch buttons, at. just a just jam with your finger. None of that that fancy touchscreen stuff. But yeah. I was running. I had my own kind of fine tuned route that I did, and absolutely, and, and kind of transparency. I I do plan the or for twenty twenty one. Did the the route planning, but with COVID and everything, it was like we did the bulk of it in like two thousand eighteen nineteen. So by the time the event actually came around spring of 21, it was I totally forgot where we were going. So it was kind of had the uh, opportunity to dive into the routes like a like traditionally as a rider participant, uh, right? Just given the, the delay. But so I had like a one that I had kind of tweaked myself, you know, some bypasses here and this and that. And that was the turn by turn that was getting into my ears and kind of following the magenta, you know, the computed magenta line. Then I had Scott's magenta line uh, through trick tracks. Like, okay, well, here's what the trick track is, which is what the event posted. And then I kind of had a, a a version of the trick tracks that I made for myself in the right. event that I was recalculated off the custom route. And then to screw me up completely, I had um, I kind of tested all this on the ride to Bar Harbor. So I was leaving Bar Harbor. I just had this vomit of trick track routes for the in, the ride in, then the ride out, and like completely screwed up my day one. Too much information. Uh, too much information to the point that I was like, oh, God, that, that this says I should be on this route. Why am I going this way? And that was like the, yeah. the road into town that I did, you know, three days prior. The whole thing was kind of having the right prepper, doing, having ridden into the ride, uh, which a lot of people do. You should really kind of have like a like a checklist because once you get to the starting line, you get there two or two, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on. There's oh, yeah. or it's, it's just a, it's a other whole ideas. Lot of fun. Yeah, other ideas. Yeah. So you really kind of have to have like a like a plan if you're going to do some sort of maintenance or reset of your scooter at the starting line think that through and maybe just write down okay i'm gonna do the belt change oil change i'm gonna do this get that done if your gps is all wired for the ride in maybe go through and clean up some of those settings you know get that out so you're leaving you know at the starting line and you you're you're programmed with, you know for that day with a clean with a clean yeah. slate there again that's all part yeah. of prep work you yeah. know knowing your bike knowing your systems Knowing your plan. That's Absolutely. prep work. That's all prep work. That's the biggest thing is prep work, prep work, prep work. I I, I, I know I emphasize that a lot in this conversation, but it's prep work. Yep. Yeah. This year, I, I did more prep work this year than I did in the previous two cannonballs, and I had a much better time riding. Yeah. On I'll, the ride I'll, and, and at the parking lot. Like you said, the last I, thing you want to do is is four hours of, of things you could have done, you know, in, in your garage over four weeks. Right. Yeah. It, it was much, much more fun to be more relaxed in the parking lot. Little oversight. Hey, yeah, you need to change your spark plug here. Or you need to, uh, you're missing a bolt there or whatever for the other guys. A uh, little bit more social time. Gave me a little bit more time to relax at night. Go get something good to eat. Get to bed early. That was part of my mental prep as well. So before we turn this to a prep work drinking game, uh, any <laughs> anything else for this episode on prep work or not prep work? Uh, no, I, no. I, I think I think we pretty much covered it. I, I, we we covered a variety of topics today. Yeah, it was a, it was a more of a retrospective into twenty twenty one than I I kind of thought we'd get into. But it's uh, you know it's now December that finished in July. And and afterwards, I am going to say it took me a month and a half of recovery. Yeah, <laughs> really. 
Because uh, I, I think Stevie and I both were had at least two or three weeks of like messed up sleep patterns and just just kind of brain fog coming out of it. Brain fog, physical fog. My my, what do you call that in the arm? Or not arm pump? Yeah, I guess it was a called arm pump that the motocross guys and those road racers get. I had arm pump, so I didn't have a lot of grip after the event. So my my person problems yeah well that's probably because i didn't prep right on my body going in and do the proper exercises like julie was yeah, doing julie lost Not 11 in, pounds and part of their prep work was doing the test rides they rode up and back to portland twice yep. so they knew their scooters they knew their capabilities they knew their potential problems they knew that going into the event and you don't need to ride to 3,000 miles to Portland and back, I would recommend like a long weekend and two overnight stays. Yeah. Nothing else. If you've not done this, a 300 mile, two or three, 300 mile days, that'd be two overnights, three days of riding. That'd be nine, 900 to a thousand miles. Go to places you've never been. Don't yeah. the same road that you take every, you know, other weekend to see your kid at college. Right. Some, some place that's, and, and no interstates and pick some intentional places that you're going to navigate to in between three different places. You don't have to go nuts with checkpoints and this and that. I mean, you can, no. or uh, bonus points, but, and, and do that and go alone. When you go with friends, it's like doing the cannonball with the support truck. You're, you're going to lean on it more than you, than you realize. If you break down, you know, God forbid, you're still, you know, a couple hundred miles from your house. It's not the end of the world. Your spouse right. can go rent out or friend come pick you up in a pickup or a, a rented budget U-Haul truck for, right. day for $19. And and go out there and do it and figure out what works. Stay in hotels. You know, don't go and stay with your, you know, your, your cousin somewhere because it's going to save you 80 bucks. Like you're going to go do this trip. You're going to spend five, six thousand dollars, maybe, maybe three thousand on the, on the lower end. Go spend a hundred bucks at a hotel two nights in a row and figure it out in the That's towns right. that you've never been to. Because it's gonna okay. be the same thing. You're gonna pull in at four in the afternoon, you're gonna have to do some things to your scooter, you gotta get checked in, you gotta drag all your shit to the room, and then you gotta go, okay, where where's food? You know, where's this? Where's that? Where's that? And kind of approach it that way and shake down your routine a little bit. You know, you wanna leave with a solid routine in your hotel room and a packing strategy that works good. Work well, and you can do that really anytime. I would probably do that maybe when I think I have my gear where I want my gear and my GPS before you kind of dive into that. Like, I'm going to get the scooter now mechanically ready for the starting line. Right. Go do, you know, use what longevity you have out of your scooter and it's kind of current state. Figure out your, your setup. Go give it a run. I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna twist that back into prep work again by using another example of Linda Hurley. She had, she had all this stuff prepped. Boom, boom, boom. She had all her things done. She loaded her scooter with too much stuff, and she found out during the event that's not the way to do it because she didn't actually use that on a pre-ride. She struggled the whole event because she had all this extra stuff that she could have planned and gotten rid of that on a support truck that she actually didn't need for her daily ride. And that that's another girl who's a very good rider. Yeah, Linda was a Linda was a tough cookie. She finished with she rode multiple days, I think, with broken ribs. Um, yes, she did. South she Dakota. crashed. And I talked to her about that, and and she said if she wouldn't have had that extra 150 pounds on the back of her scooter, she probably would not have crashed. So it's all back back to prep work, knowing your scooter, knowing what you can take on your scooter, doing the test rides, getting it set up. This is what I'm taking. Boom, 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 boom. Getting your plan together. I'm sorry. I Back to prep work. Well, I think that's... Uh, we'll have to do some prep work on our uh, our next conversation together. How's that? Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe get a better outline, stick to our script better. Yeah, well, it was good. It was good to uh, really to catch up on uh, yeah. the event and uh, certainly prep work. I'm excited to, to listen to these podcasts and uh, see, see how bad I screwed up. This All me. right. Cool, well, brother. Thank you again, Doug. We'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Thanks, man. You have All a right. great day. Thanks, you too.